Welcome to a podcast of Torrent RSSDIT TV organized by Dr. Prakash Keshwani, Dr. Banshee Sabu, and Dr. K. Gaparika Jaipur. This podcast is brought to you by the rightdoctors.com digital knowledge partner to the event. So I'm uh, Dr. Balaji Jagannath. I'm a practicing physician and diabetologist at the Apollo Sugar Clinics uh, in Bangalore. I'm happy to be here at the RSSTI, the 47th uh, conference that is happening here in Jaipur. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is about diabetic kidney disease, also known as diabetic nephropathy. We know that diabetes is the leading cause of kidney failure worldwide. There are a lot of patients who will eventually succumb to kidney disease. It can be either type 1 patients or it can be type 2. Now, it is very important that any person who has been diagnosed with diabetes, especially if they are diagnosed with type 2, you need to screen for underlying uh, kidney disease, which might be silent in nature. And if the person has been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, then we need to look for the presence of kidney disease once in five years after the diagnosis of diabetes in them. Now, let's try to understand a little bit about diabetic kidney disease. Now, from a pathognomonic perspective, the first sign of diabetic kidney disease is basically glomerular basement membrane thickening. So, there is thickening of the glomerular basement membrane with proliferation of the mesangial cells. Uh, both of these put together over a period of time will lead to something called nodular intercapillary glomerulosclerosis, which is also classically from a, a pathognomonic perspective called the chimal style Wilson nodule. So, any diabetic patient, if their blood sugars or blood pressure is uncontrolled, uh, would develop nephropathy in these lesions over a period of time. <coughs> So, this is from a pathological perspective. What about from a pathophysiological perspective? The first sign of kidney damage is basically albuminuria. That means the excretion of albumin in the urine. So, every type 2 diabetic at the time of diagnosis should be screened for the presence of albumin in the urine. Uh, why does that person have albumin in the urine? Like I have mentioned, diabetic kidney disease starts with glomerular basement membrane damage. So, the damage to the basement membrane will lead to the loss of the negative charge on the basement membrane. So, we know that proteins like albumins, they carry a negative charge. So, since this negative charge is lost, it is easily lost through the glomerulus and in the urine. The other thing is the pore size of the basement membrane also increases. So, larger molecules like proteins are also eliminated in the urine. So, this is basically the pathophysiology for albuminuria in a diabetic patient. Now, when it comes to uh, diagnosing, now what is the presentation? If you see most of the diabetic patients who have kidney damage will be asymptomatic, but some of them, if the albuminuria or proteinuria is quite advanced, they might have bilateral pitting pedal edema and sometimes they might even complain to you that they, they are seeing froth in the urine. So, these are probably some of the symptoms, but by and large they are asymptomatic. So, how do you diagnose? You just need to do a simple test called microalbuminuria or albuminuria. So, if you have albumin in the range of 30 to 300 mu gram per milligram of creatinine in the urine, that is indicative of microalbuminuria and if it is going above 300, then that person could be in the macroalbuminuric range. So, albumin 
in the urine is one of the tests that you need to look for. Apart from this, you also need to see for the creatinine and the EGFR. EGFR calculation, especially using certain formulas like CKD, EPI, is quite useful for getting the staging of nephropathy. Now, when we talk about the staging of diabetic kidney disease, so you have five stages. So the first one basically is only a stage of glomerular hyperfiltration. In fact, this is a, a preclinical stage where most of the patients will not have any clinical uh, symptoms or any of bio biochemical abnormalities. Then you go into stage two where this hyperfiltration will go into a normal albuminuric range. And at this point, uh, the EGFR is also normal. It will be above 90. Uh, and so it's more of a mild renal impairment stage here. So it will be between 60 to 90. But once you come into uh, stage 3 of diabetic kidney disease, you have two stages in this. You have stage 3A and stage 3B. So stage 3A is basically when you have uh, microalbuminuria. And this is the time when you're going into moderate renal impairment. So your EGFR is somewhere between 45 to 60. And once you go into stage 3B, that is when your EGFR is between 30 to 45. And you might go into the macroalbuminuric range. That means your albumin excretion in the urine might be above 300. And then once you come into stage 4, that is when you are going into overt nephropathy or end stage of renal disease. Uh, sorry, this is severe renal impairment where your EGFR is between 15 to 30. And stage 5 is actually end stage of renal disease where your EGFR can decline below 15. <clears throat> so these are the five stages that we get to see in a person who has diabetic kidney disease. Uh, we also have to be watchful about non-diabetic kidney disease because that is another entity uh, which can occur in a diabetic individual. So who are the people who can get non-diabetic kidney disease? Suppose an individual has a shorter duration of diabetes and the person does not have background retinopathy. Retinopathy is very important for diagnosing nephropathy. And if they have other urinary sediments in their urine, uh, so, and if the proteinuria is in the nephrotic range, then we need to look for non-diabetic kidney disease. Other differentiating factor is we need to look at the size of the kidney. Now, normally, in a patient with diabetic kidney disease, the size would either be normal or it will be enlarged because of the chymel-style Wilson nodules. But in a, a patient with chronic glomerulonephritis or any other form of chronic kidney disease, can have a shrunken kidney. So that again differentiates between a DKD and a non-diabetic kidney disease. So if you have to label someone as having diabetic kidney disease, you need to have albuminuria and you need to have background retinopathy. And in an ultrasound, you will see that the kidney will be normal or enlarged in size. And of course, there is albuminuria, which can be in the micro or macro albuminuric range. And in some, some cases, it can be in the proteinuric range as well. <clears throat> Now, this is all about diagnosis. Now, how do you manage a person who has diabetic kidney disease? So, the first two things that you need to do is, most important thing is to bring the blood sugars, so, so good glycemic control. Try to bring the HP1C somewhere around 7% and try to keep the blood pressure somewhere around 140-90 or in some cases even around 130-80. In elderly persons, maybe slightly you can keep the blood pressure around 140-90. So good control of blood sugar and blood pressure is essential for preventing the progression of albuminuria and preventing the retardation of uh, further 
damage to the kidney. Uh, apart from this, we need to also look at nephrotoxic agents which need to be avoided. So non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs should be avoided, steroids should be minimized, patients should be careful not to get dehydrated, use of any kind of uh, radio contrast media, uh, dyes for procedures can elevate the creatinine and EGFR can come down. Certain antibiotics like gentamicin and other aminoglycosides should be avoided. So this kind of care should be taken and to sort of regress albuminuria, you can give drugs like ACE inhibitors or uh, angiotensin receptor blockers. So some studies have shown that they can regress early stages of uh, albuminuria and they can prevent the further progression of micro to macro albuminuria. So ACE and ARB should be given to any of the uh, diabetic patients with uh, kidney disease. Apart from this, uh, you can also look at SGLT2 inhibitors. So, uh, besides giving good glycemic control, uh, they also have nephroprotective effects. In fact, if you see canagliflozin recently has been approved uh, for patients who have diabetic kidney disease to prevent the progression or retardation of uh, diabetic kidney disease. And to some extent, certain DPP-4 inhibitors like a linagliptin has been studied in patients with diabetic nephropathy and there also there have been some cases where there is a regression of albuminuria. So once again to summarize my talk, we need to understand that diabetes is the leading cause of renal failure worldwide. We have to screen every individual, especially type 2 uh, at the time of diagnosis and then every 6 months. Always look for retinopathy. When you have nephropathy, if you want to label, the person has to have background retinopathy. Check the blood pressures, keep it under good control, avoid nephrotoxic drugs. And as long as HP1C is maintained under good range, you can prevent further decline of EGFR because we as treating physicians should take the responsibility of trying to prevent patients from going into dialysis or patients from going into a renal transplantation. Thank you. You were listening to a podcast of Torrent RSSDITV organized by Dr. Prakash Kashwani, Dr. Banshee Sabu, and Dr. K. Gaparika Jaipur. This podcast is brought to you by the rightdoctors.com digital knowledge partner to the event. We bring insights from the world's best medical minds to audiences worldwide. The Right Doctors is a Google Launchpad digital health startup and is a knowledge partner of choice for medical conferences, CME, specialty journals and scientific events from the field of medicine. If you like this podcast share it with your friends and visit our website www.therightdoctors.com.